What are neuromuscular disorders? What conditions or state is myasthenia gravis? All these questions and much more is to be explored as our curiosity rocket ship flies high in the space and sky of science and erudition. Welcome on to Is Pharmacology Difficult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find, and if there's a question hovering in your mind, is pharmacology difficult? Lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. Autoimmune disorders are exactly what? Well, let's get to know in one line. Well, I will try. When the body's immune system begins to ambush the healthy, innocent cells, then the person is said to be suffering from autoimmune disorder or autoimmune pathology. One of such kind is myasthenia gravis. Now, as far as this condition is concerned, most of the patients, they have an autoimmune pathology. 85% around, they have raised titer of autoantibodies to muscle receptors of acetylcholine. Well, you can just observe it as a mixed heterogeneous state. Why do I call it a heterogeneous state? Because... A few, say 10 to 15 percent, they have no receptor antibodies or they may possess antibodies to neuromuscular junction protein. And what is this protein? It's a muscle-specific kinase, abbreviated as capital M, small u, capital S, capital K. Now, very rarely, myasthenia gravis is due to rheumatoid arthritis drugs like D-penicillamine and that is actually very rarely seen. Now let me tell you what is the common facts about myasthenia gravis. In this the capital IgG antibodies develop against the nicotinic receptors that are found or situated on the musculoskeletal junctions. And how severe do you guess this pounces? The number of receptors, they decrease to more than half. And what are the results? Too much of tiredness, weakness, and this all recovers only taking quick, quick rests. The person has to go for rest very, very quickly and then recover and then do work and then he or she gets tired very soon and then again rest. And the cycle continues. Hmm, what are the organs involved? It all starts from the eyes. The eyelids are involved and there can be ptosis, diplopia. Then the external ocular muscles are involved. Then the facial muscles are involved and they can be slurring of the speech. Then the neck muscles, pharynx muscles, they are involved. There can be difficulty in swallowing. And slowly it creeps upon the limbs and also on the respiratory muscles. Finally, there is respiratory arrest. Let's discuss the therapy now. 
Neostigmine and allied drugs, they are very reliable agents to make up the strength of the muscles in this particular case. How do they work? Well, there's a little history, well actually a story behind this Neostigmine finding. In about 1934, Dr. Mary Walker found Masinio gravis was due to curare-like substance in the blood. And hence, she guessed that Eserine, you remember, Eserine is another word for physostigmine. It may be of great benefit, but then she experimented with oral neostigmine and it worked wonders. Wow, that was all the historical aspect. Let's come to the present. Well, neostigmine and congenital drugs can directly act on the musculoskeletal plate and depolarize it. And also, they inhibit the anticholine esterase and they enhance the acetylcholine release and deposition in the synapse and they increase the duration of action there paradostigmine around 60 milligrams twice a day is a nice alternative to think about its benefit is less frequent dosing schedule another drug i want to talk about is embainonium 2.5 to 5 milligrams 6 hourly orally now Sustained release paradostigmine is also used at bedtime. Many a times adjuvantly atropine 0.5 mg subcutaneous is clubbed with the above agents to block the unwanted side effects occurring due to muscarinic actions. And nowadays another anti-muscarinic agent propantheline 15 to 30 mg thrice a day is also used in place of atropine. Well, adding atropine is not at all compulsory. Why do I say like that? As sooner or later, or you can say eventually, the tolerance to the muscarinic adverse effects of the entire colonesterases drugs develops in the particular suffering person. Now, after all these mentioned medicines, what do you expect? Is there any stopping of the disease progression? No, N-O, no. And definitely, higher treatment procedures and medications are required depending upon the severity of the disease. Now, one group of drugs to choose, they are corticosteroids, as they are good enough immunosuppressants agents. Not only they block the entire body production, but also help in the production of novel receptors, I mean nicotinic receptors. But before this use of corticosteroids, one tried procedure which may help is thymectomy. And why is thymus involved? Frequently, the human leukocyte antigens, that is capital HLA, haplotypes, and which types, that is capital A1, capital B8, capital DW3, they are found as associated and also there is hyperplasia and tumor of thymus gland which occurs in the myasthenia gravis patients and that explains that this all basis is autoimmune in nature. So Thymectomy is a very common procedure in the young generation with the occurrence of thymoma. 
slow fading away of the sinus symptoms and finally complete remission of the disease may occur with this thymectomy procedure. As far as the corticosteroids they are concerned, prednisolone is a drug of choice. Remission is about 70-80%. to Let's know more group of drugs in this particular context. In severe conditions, immunosuppressants like azathioprine and cyclosporin, they are very very effective as they target the T-cells and also pounce the antibody production. Now, one procedure to antibody removal is the exchange of plasma and it is known as plasma pheresis. It is some sort of emergency and short surviving procedure, you can say. Then there are procedures like intubation of trachea and ventilatory support. They also are done to overcome the respiratory myasthenic weakness and crisis. Now, to begin with, anticholinesterases, they are used, then they are halted, then corticosteroids like methylprednisolone are given as a pulse treatment, and again, anticholinesterases, they are resumed slowly. There is a speeding up of recovery seen with the plasma pheresis procedure. If in the whole therapy, you accidentally over-administer the anticholinesterases, the results, they are seen as weakness. It's a cholinergic weakness due to continuous depolarization of musculoskeletal junction or end plate. Alteration of myasthenic and cholinergic crisis are often an observation in delayed overdose states of anticholinesterases. Now, next question. How can you identify which weakness is there? Is it myasthenic or cholinergic? For that, we do edrophonium test. How it is done? Edrophonium is given 2 mg intravenous and if the signs and symptoms of weakness they fade, the condition of the patient ameliorates, it's a kind of myasthenic crisis. And if it does not happen, then it's definitely cholinergic crisis. Now to take a last few steps and action plan to bring this episode to a wrap, let's quickly get to know the test to diagnose the myasthenia gravis condition. The first one is the ameliorative test. It's done again with edrophonium. Once 2 mg is injected, if it gives no results, the leftover 8 mg is injected in about half to one minute. If little satisfactory improvement in the state of patient occurs, the disease the patient is suffering from is definitely myasthenia gravis and no other disease of the muscles. Right? In rare cases, you can do this test with 1.5 mg of neostigmine in the same manner. If in a very, very rare condition, edrophonium is not available. Second test, that is done by detubocurarine. Now, detubocurarine, if given 0.5 mg injection, the weakness enhances. And then you see, this is a very, very risky test. And that is, the name given to this test is provocative test. But I tell you, very reliable method is to detect and observe anti-nicotinic receptor antibodies in the plasma or the biopsy specimens from the strided muscles of the patient. Now that is 
highly detected that is 90% in the thymoma patients and 30% in other etiological myasthenia gravis patients. So that's why I say it's a very reliable test. Now other miscellaneous tests I want to talk about is anti-acetylcholine receptor titer via immunoprecipitation assay. No more details about this one. Coming over to our next test that is capital EMG response to the stimulation of the nerve at the frequency of 3 hertz. And this all test that is the precipitation titer test and this EMG response test, these are done before the administration of the medicines to the patient. Now another one good test you can do is a CD scan of thymus and then you can identify the thymoma. Okay? Now lastly, I have some scribble notes for you about drug-induced myasthenia gravis condition. List goes on something like this. The first one, the drugs responsible to create myasthenia gravis, they are CNS depressants. You see morphine, you know, no. It's a great respiratory depressant. It's a very, very potent add-on drug that also adds on to the respiratory depression. Second group of drugs, I have antibiotics, that is aminoglycosides, like streptomycin, etc. Then I have polymyxine, then I have cholestine, then I have cunolones like ciprofloxacin. Now what is the mechanism? Why do I say that antibiotics, they are producing a condition of myasthenia gravis? Because they may happen to interfere with the acetylcholine release. They may also happen to be having a competitive effect like that of curare on the acetylcholine receptor. Next group of drugs I want to talk about here is antiarrhythmics like especially those that possess the local anesthetic activity, cunidine, lidocaine, procainamide and also the beta blockers like propranolol, oxprinolol. Now the mechanism is also the interference with the acetylcholine release. Other agents that are responsible for the myasthenia-like conditions are D-tubicurine and lithium. Now, phenytoin is one of the miscellaneous agents that may induce or aggravate myasthenia gravis by decreasing the release of acetylcholine. How is lithium involved in this condition? It may hamper the presynaptic neurotransmission by replacing the sodium ions in the nerve terminal. Wow! I'm so glad this Curiosity rocket ship is sailing high in the sky, but now is the landing time. I hope you all had a great time exploring in this space of science and erudition. Did you? Do let me know. Till then, for all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, do visit www.ispharmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. It actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences and drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name. Is Pharmacology Difficult? If you're listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay enlightened. Thank you.